Yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And the train is building up ahead of steam. So grab your ticket. It's free. Get on board. This train will be picking up passengers along the way. Taking you on a sports journey. So, enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to a long-awaited edition of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. It's been a little over a week, but I'm glad to be back with you. And what I am going to do is I am going to, since this is still Black History Month, I'm going to start us off with 28 African-Americans that made an impact in sports as the music is queued up. Twenty-eight African Americans that made an impact in sports. Many times when Black History Month rolls around, only the most popular African-American athletes come to mind. But what about the athletes that weren't able to get noticed? They deserve to receive recognition too. So we will start out like this. Number one, the first black athlete to win a medal at any Winter Olympics was Debbie Thomas. She was the first and only African-American figure skating champion in the U.S., Number two, Emmanuel Stewart went 94 and 3 in his amateur boxing career and was a national gold gloves champion. As a trainer, he managed 25 world champions and four Olympic gold medalists. Number three, just 10 years ago, Mike Carey was the first African American to referee a Super Bowl. Number four, Doug Williams was the first African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl. He won the big game with the Washington Redskins in 1988. Number five, Alice Coachman 
was the first black woman to win an Olympic gold medal at the 1948 Summer Olympic Games in the high jump competition. She was also the first African-American woman selected to the U.S. Olympic team. Number six, Isaac Murphy was probably the greatest jockey of all time. His career lasted 19 years and included three Kentucky Derby wins. Every year, he won at least a third of his mounts. Number seven, the first African-American to play in the Masters Tournament and on the U.S. Ryder Cup was Lee Elder. He had 12 wins on the PGA and Senior Tours. Number eight, the first black president of the United States Olympic Committee was Dr. Leroy T. Walker. He was also the first African-American to coach a U.S. team. Number eight, number nine, excuse me, Ozzie Newsom was the first African-American general manager of an NFL team. He also never missed a game in his 13-year NFL career. Number 10, Ernie Banks signed with the Chicago Cubs in 1953, making him the Cubs' first African-American player. In 1958 and 1959, he was awarded the MVP award. Number 11, Sugar Ray was the first boxer in history to win a divisional world championship five times. His 91 fight unbeaten streak was the third longest in professional boxing history. Number 12, Arthur Ashe was the first black male to win a NCAA tennis championship, the first to win a Grand Slam title, and the first to represent the U.S. in the Davis Cup. Number 13, Florence Griffith Joyner, also known as Flojo, was the fastest woman alive. She has records in the 100 and 200 meters that still haven't been broken after almost 30 years. Number 14, Michael Johnson was the only athlete in history win the 200 meter and 400 meter at the same Olympics. He's also the only male to successfully defend his Olympic title in the 400 meter. Number 15, Satchel Paige was the first African-American pitcher to pitch in the World Series. He was selected to the Hall of Fame in 1971. Number 16, Usain Bolt was the first man in history to set three Olympic records at the same games. He still holds the title as the fastest man in the world. Number 17. Did you know John Arthur Jack Johnson was the first African-American world heavyweight boxing champion during his career? He had 104 wins and 13 losses. Number 18. 
The Boston Celtics were the first team to draft an African-American player. Charlie Chuck Cooper from Duquesne University was the first African-American to be drafted in the NBA. Number 19, Wendell Scott was the first African-American to compete full-time in a NASCAR series. He was also the first to win a NASCAR's highest level. Number 20, the first African-American to coach an NBA team was Bill Russell. He coached the Boston Celtics in 1966. Number 21, the first black athlete to win a Grand Slam tournament was Althea Gibson. She won the French Open in 1956 and went on to win four more Grand Slam tournaments. After tennis, she moved to golf and was the first African-American to the first African-American on the LPGA Tour in 1963. 22, Cheryl Swoops was the first female athlete to have an athletic shoe named after her. Number 23, Robert. Number 23, in 2004, Robert L. Johnson became the first African-American principal owner of a major league sports franchise in the U.S. Number 24, Don Newcomb was the first African-American to win the Cy Young Award as the top pitcher in Major League Baseball in 1956. In 1988, Johnny Greer became the first African-American NFL referee. Number 26, did you know Captain William Pinkney, Pinky, was the first African-American to sail solo around the world? The southern tips, around the world, around the southern tips of South America and Africa. Number 27, in 2002, Vanetta Flowers was the first African-American Winter Olympic gold medal winner. And number 28, Willie O'Ree became the first African-American to play in the NHL in 1958. So for this first segment, there you have a moment in black history sports with some names that you might not have heard. And I hope that you will take these history lessons to heart and see where we as a people have come from and how we have shaped the landscape of sports as we know it today because of our contributions. Well, there is still yet a lot to get to. So what I'm going to do, that is probably the shortest segment I've done but I think it was very informative. So what I'm going to do is I am going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to get into the world of sports as we know it, because there is a lot. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith, and I will be back after these messages. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. 
just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to my next segment, and what I want to take a look at now is a little bit of college basketball. As right now, Gonzaga and Baylor sit atop men's basketball top 25, and the Big Ten rounds out the top five. But what are some of the experts seeing? on this. Let's listen as they weigh in. It is time for the Wendy's Wooden Watch and it is full of Zags. Gonzaga, the only team with three players on the midseason top 25. Jalen Suggs, freshman sensational through Kenny, Corey Kispert putting up good games. In fact, Kispert averaging 20.6 points per game. That's the most by a Bulldog since Adam Morrison. For more on this, go to ESPN.com and search Wooden and to learn a little bit more about the Zags, let's go to Honey Road. Don't you get all this team a mid-major? This is an outstanding college basketball program. Everybody clap. Action. <laughs> Meet the Zags. Here we go. My role in Gonzaga basketball is shooting threes and being a leader. Way downtown. Feeling it. The fiery hustle guy. And we are watching the evolution of a monster. Being a great facilitator. Such a terrific, oh creative passer. To just make things easier for others. Well, he's got a, a great feel for the game. What is the chemistry and the pride that is making this team so good? I think the yeah, chemistry is the right word. Um, the more and more we practice, the more and more it feels like you know, we're just going to the gym to hang out with our friends for two hours. Jalen, you're the newbie on this group. You are the highest ranked recruit in Gonzaga history. How did you try to come in and make yourself part of this family? I, mean, I just try to come in and enjoy everybody's company and uh, put my work in. You know, I know these guys have been in the system and uh, know what was going on. And I think uh, they did a great job in welcoming me in and taking me under their wing and just helping me learn. I've got nothing but enjoy so far. Okay, Joel, you've come the farthest. You're from France. What's the key to making yourself comfortable in a new environment, a new country? Came here with zero friends, but I day one I already had like 
you know, 13 to 15 teammates that became brothers really quick, and I really helped on the transition because I didn't have to uh, get out of my way too much, uh, especially with the language barrier to make friends. Can I get one embarrassing thing about Drew from all of you? Chill, guys. Well, I mean, it's it's not embarrassing because he rocks it, but like I would never rock a mustache like that. He, I mean, he had it growing all the way over and down, and uh, I could never do that. But props to him for pulling that off. I might have to go with the Fu Manchu, the handlebars. I might have to come out. Gonzaga basketball is winning because, and each of you pick your own word. Yeah, Gonzaga basketball is winning because of selflessness. We kind of touched on earlier, sharing the ball and around the court. Uh, all five of us, uh, we all move as one, we all act as one. When we do like we do this year, you know, um, great things are happening. Gonzaga basketball is winning because we're a street family and we'll do anything for each other uh, on and off the court. <laughs> And that was a taste of Gonzaga basketball, why they are number one. And you really can't say that they are a mid-major. Granted, they play in a conference that's not all that, but, you know, that's one of the things where I'm from. I'm here in Wichita, Kansas, wherever you may be listening to this podcast. That that was one of the things Wichita State had to deal with was the label of mid-major when they were playing in the Missouri Valley Conference, when they were steamrolling through the conference, when they went on that 35-0 run and ran into Kentucky, which to this day, that game was actually a classic game. Matter of fact, both times they played against Kentucky, those games were pretty much classics. But you cannot put the word mid-major on Gonzaga. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. Just because the conference does not play up to the level that Gonzaga does, the one thing that can be said is Gonzaga does not play down to the level of the competition that the conference is. That being said, you often hear a lot of sports writers and talk show hosts say, well, this school is a brand. KU is a brand. Kansas University is a brand. UK, Kentucky, it's a brand. When it comes to basketball, these are brand name schools. Duke, North Carolina. I'm just going to go ahead and go on record and say, Let's just say Gonzaga is a brand name. When you say Gonzaga, you automatically know Mark Few is the coach. And you've heard it said, when you say Gonzaga basketball, you sum it up in one word, selflessness. Team. They play as one. If you come in, if you're one and done, which they actually have a one and done player, or if you come in as a transfer, their star player, Jalen Suggs, said the team took him under his wing, under their wing. So the voters in the Associated Press Men's College Basketball Poll are lined up with the committee that will select the NCAA tournament field when it comes to which five teams are the nation's best. Agreeing on the order beyond that isn't as simple. Top-ranked Gonzaga and number two Baylor remain the top Monday's latest AP Top 25, where they have been for all 13 polls this season. And after Illinois rose one spot to number five, that put the top of the AP poll in sync with the initial rankings of the top 16 seeds released Saturday by the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee. Among teams that didn't lose... Last week, AP voters were a bit higher 
on number seven, Virginia, seated ninth. Number nine, Oklahoma, 12th. Number 11, Iowa, 13th. And number 12, Texas, 15th. Falling wins that came later Saturday. In addition, Alabama rose three spots to number eight in the AP poll to pull closer to the committee's seeding of seventh overall shortly before the Crimson Tide scored 115 points and they went over against Georgia. Six-ranked Houston, seeded eighth, didn't play after the committee released his rankings. So, top tier, Coach Mark Pugh's Bulldogs received 59 of 64 first-place votes in the new AP Top 25, while Scott Drew's Bears claimed the other five. Next came three straight Big Ten teams, starting with number three, Michigan, number four, Ohio State, as the other number one seeds in the selection committee's rankings. Illinois climbed to the top five for the second time this season, the other coming in late November for the program's highest ranking since reaching number one during the 2004-2005 season. The Illini dipped to number 22 by January, but have won five straight, including against Iowa and number 21, Wisconsin. Rising, number 14, Creighton had the week's biggest climb, jumping five spots after a weekend win over Villanova. The Blue Jays have won six of seven since a January 20 loss to Providence. Number 11, Iowa climbed four spots after a pair of Big Ten wins against first against a ranked Rutgers team at home. Then came Saturday's 30-point win at Michigan State, the worst home loss in Coach Tom Izzo's tenure with the Spartans. In all, 11 teams climbed from last week's poll. Sliding, number Missouri took the biggest tumble, falling 10 spots after losses at Mississippi and at home to Arkansas in Southeastern Conference play last week. The Tigers had cracked the top 10 last week for the first time since December 12, since December 2012. Number 15, Texas Tech, fell eight spots after losing at home to number 13, West Virginia, while number 10, Villanova, fell five spots after his loss to Creighton. So we move to the status quo. Beyond the top four, number 18, Virginia, number 21, Wisconsin, number 18, Virginia Tech, number 21, Wisconsin, and number 22, Loyola, Chicago, also remain in their positions from last week. Welcome. Kansas's streak-breaking absence from the top 25 was a short one. The Jayhawks fell out of last week's poll for the first time in 12 years, but they immediately beat a ranked Oklahoma State team to start the week, then added two wins over Iowa State to jump back in at number 23. Kansas was one of three new additions to this week's poll. Can you really say that? That sounds weird to say that. Let's say it again. Kansas was one of three new additions to this week's poll. Let's run that back one more time to make sure we heard that right. Kansas was one of three new additions to this week's poll. Joined by number 24, Arkansas. I don't think they've been ranked since Nolan Richardson. Don't run that back. Yes, run that back. I don't think they've been ranked since Nolan Richardson and 40 minutes of hell. And number 25, San Diego State. I may be wrong, but let's see. It marked the first time the Razorbacks, it marked the Razorbacks' first appearance since January 2018. I was wrong. While the Aztecs spent two weeks in the poll in December. Farewell for now.
Oklahoma State number 23, Purdue number 24, and Rutgers number 25 fell out of the poll. Conference watch. The Big 12 led the way with six ranked teams after having a nation after having a national best five teams in the NCAA selection committee's rankings. Big 10 was next with five ranked teams while the SEC had four and the Atlantic Conference had three. So there you have a look at what's going on in college basketball. So let's take a look at some NBA news. And we do have some As it relates to Anthony Davis, sources say Los Angeles Lakers star Anthony Davis aggravates his Achilles issue. So before we get into that, let's see what Adrian Wojnarowski has to say, because I'm pretty sure he has a lot to say as we cue this up here because AD's injury has a lot on what takes place with the Lakers even though they do have LeBron James but he's a vital piece even though his stats are down from last year he plays a key role especially since they are pretty much defending champions and are looking to reclaim that throne again so here we have adrian wardenowski and his thoughts on anthony davis undergoing mri today what do we know about the injury to ad uh greeny i was told that there was some swelling uh around uh that tendon and uh Davis is going to get an MRI today and uh they believe last night that there's no um they don't believe there's any significant damage he had missed the previous two games um with soreness uh in that Achilles it's been bothering him for a couple of weeks and, and I think he's going to he and the Lakers uh are going to continue to try to take the long view on this and that may mean him having to sit for a period of time Uh, you know, so this is the only real thing that you can imagine derailing this Lakers team uh, is injury, and, and certainly a, a, a player of Davis's stature. And you know, we know the uh, what an Achilles injury, a significant Achilles injury, can do uh, to a player. And so I think they're gonna, you know, really just try to manage this here. They'll get the MRI today, uh, and, and they'll see what they're looking at from there. To be clear, and again, I think you're right, all of us in this day and age have been conditioned to hear the word Achilles and freak out a little bit, and the MRI is pending. But I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me like your expectation from the people you've talked to is that this is not going to be a devastating injury, but something that needs to be managed. That's right, and it's, it's uh, you know, Davis talked about that last night after the game. I was told it was structurally sound. You know, that was the belief, but you do get the MRI. Uh, to be sure, uh, to see exactly what the status of it is. Uh, but I think this is, again, you know, it's going to be an injury that the the Lakers have managed. Yesterday, AD said, you know, and it felt as good as it had leading into the game. Um, he was he was without pain. That's why he played. But then he had that collision with Nikola Jokic. 
uh, re-aggravated that tendon. And so get the MRI today and perhaps, uh, you know, you may see him here sit uh, for some period of time uh, to try to get this right and get it ready um, and, and move forward with it and, and, and not allow it to become a long-term issue for So Davis will be out for a period of time. So Los Angeles Lakers star big man Anthony Davis aggravated tendinosis in his right Achilles causing swelling, a source told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, and was held out of the second half of Sunday's 122-105 loss at the Denver Nuggets. Davis missed two games earlier this week with the injury. The Lakers officially termed it a right Achilles strain and said Davis will undergo an MRI on Monday in Minneapolis after the team's flight. He says, I mean, you kind of learned a lot from the MRI, so kind of just waiting on that, Davis told reporters after Sunday's contest when asked if he knew if he tore the tendon. Obviously, the doctors don't want to rule out anything, and then it's something or say it's something then it's not but they say everything looked good but you will want the mri just to make sure davis 27 was listed as questionable before the game but nevertheless started with the lakers looking to extend their seven game winning streak i think sunday was the first day where it felt completely fine davis said don't feel it at all this morning afternoon pre-game anything that changed when davis drove on Nikolai Jokic late in the second quarter and bumped legs with the Nugget Center. Jokic's right knee made contact with Davis's right quad. When Davis gathered his dribble after the foul was called and planted his foot, he appeared to aggravate his lower right leg. He clutched his leg below his calf after the play was whistled dead. Davis stayed in the game to take two free throws, making both then checked out with 2.36 remaining in the second quarter and limped toward the locker room with Lakers assistant coach, Lakers assistant athletic trainer, John Isha, by his side. Just overall safety and health of him, LeBron James said when asked what went through his mind seeing Davis lead the game. That's my only concern, watching him shuffle off the floor and get back into the locker room. We were playing some great basketball up until then. L.A. was down by five points at the time of Davis's injury, but went on to trail by as many as 21, falling to the team it beat in last season's Western Conference Finals. The nine-year veteran has been experiencing discomfort in his lower right leg for weeks and underwent an ultrasound last weekend, which confirmed the injury. To that, before I finish this, let me say this, because I hear a lot of guys like, one in particular, Chris Broussard and others talking about Anthony Davis's stats not being what they were last year, including his free throws, who where he's usually like an 80-plus percent free throw shooter, and he's down to 70-something percent this year. Talking about his scoring is down, his rebounding is down, his block shots are down. Well, now, as you can see in this right here where it says the nine-year veteran has been experiencing discomfort in his lower right leg for weeks. So who knows? This might might have been an ongoing injury, which also tends to give reason why come maybe his stats are down because he's basically trying to play through the pain. So as 
it's been said in layman's terms, don't, 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 don't be too harsh on the man. Because some of us, we can get a hangnail and that's a bad enough injury for us. So the fact that he's even playing through it and we see here he's been dealing with this for weeks. So now Davis sat out two games against Oklahoma City Thunder in return for Friday's 115-105 win over the Memphis Grizzly, against whom he scored 35 points on 16 for 27 shooting. Two off his season high in scoring. He was adamant he did not rush back too soon. Even though he acknowledged feeling soreness toward the end of the Memphis game. I felt great coming back the first time against Memphis, and I'm going to do the same thing. The same steps to get it back right, he said. Obviously, be a little more smarter with it. Like I was smart the first time, but even more smarter. Up the treatment more. Instead of three times a day, maybe five times a day. Just trying to get it back where it needs to be done out there and help the team. To mitigate the pain, Davis said he keeps a padded heel lift in his sneaker and wears a sleeve when he sleeps that keeps his Achilles in a stretched position. Davis scored 15 points in 14 minutes with four rebounds and an assist before exiting Sunday's game. Kyle Kuzma started the second half in his place. Kuzma finished with 19 points on 8 of 12 shooting and eight rebounds and vowed he will be ready to continue to fill in. I'm always ready, said the 25-year-old forward who was awarded a $40 million contract extension in the offseason. I'm always ready to do whatever the coaches ask of me, whatever the team asks, whatever the ball club needs. That's just how I am. Davis, whom Lakers coach Frank Vogel said was in good spirits, expressed hope that he suffered only a minor setback. I do put a lot of pressure on myself to go out there and play. If I feel I can go out there and play, I will just for the simple fact that I want to be able to help my team. And I can help my team from the sidelines, but I think I'm more effective when I'm on the floor. And they paid me to play, Davis said. But this one is a little different than I definitely have to be smart with. I don't want to go out there and try to play and risk it for the long term. So all that is inclusive of what the MRI shows tomorrow. Knock on wood, it's great information. And I'll be out there sooner then later so right there as you can see it is obvious that he hopes to be back soon and best you could do is pray for a recovery that he can get back on the court and help his teammates but i think this liquor team will be in good shape hopefully they won't have to overextend lebron james Hopefully some other players, such as a Kyle Kuzma, can step up and fill in some voids. It's, it's been said thus far this year that this Laker team is probably even better than last year's team that won the, the title. So it just remains to be seen. So there is still yet more to come as I am going to shift to something different we're going to talk a little bit of women's basketball look at the number one team in the college women's basketball team and i'm going to even go nascar on you so stay tuned to 
A Train Sports Talk podcast. The train is still building up steam. So stay tuned. I'll be back after these messages. Anthony Smith here with A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And now what I want to do is I want to shift gears. And I want to do something I normally don't do, but I need to do more of it. I want to give the ladies some love. As UConn, the new number one, as South Carolina falls to number two in AP Women's Basketball Poll. You know, as I was talking earlier about schools that are a brand name, UConn Women's Program is a brand name. Tennessee, even though they're not perched at that lofty level that they used to be at under Pat Summit, they are still a brand name. When you say Tennessee, you still think of the late, great Pat Summit. Well, UConn, back in the Big East, Coach Gino Ariamo has his ladies back in a very familiar spot. And it's a spot I'm pretty sure that they relish. Really crazy to me, just to think about. 
I'm just trying to manage it by just staying grounded. And I just want to keep getting better each and every day. I just really enjoy making highlight plays, entertaining the crowd, even though they're not, they're not a crowd here. I always just love when crowds go ooh and on and stuff like that. It's, it just makes basketball fun, and that's the reason why I play. Some fun things people don't know about me. I can dance. I might not make it seem like I can dance, but I can dance. My best move, I'll use a baseball. Um, I'll show you right now. You just gotta pull it up and then toss it. I can't do that after a game. Dancing and basketball, it's like business. It's, you can't, you can't make them. I tell you this, she's kept UConn in rhythm for sure. They've been right in step. Our Wendy's Wouldn't Watch highlights page back there. She was the whole freshman named to the Wendy's Wouldn't Watch late season top 20 watch list. She has the third highest single season scoring average regardless of class in UConn's story history. And for more, you can go to ESPN.com. And that's part of the reason that UConn is number one, Paige Becker. UConn is back in a familiar spot at number one in the Associated Press Women's College Basketball Poll. For the ninth consecutive season, the Huskies have reached the pinnacle of women's AP Top 25, receiving 26 first-place votes from a 30-member national media panel on Monday. Gino Oriema's teams beat previous number one South Carolina in overtime a week ago in a one versus two matchup. The Gamecocks fell one spot to second in the poll. They received two first place votes. This is the third consecutive week there has been a different number one team in the poll. That hadn't happened since 2012-13 when Stanford, UConn, and Baylor each took a turn in the top spot. There haven't been four straight weeks with different number one since 2004. UConn has now been number one for at least one week every season since 2012-2013. Stanford and South Carolina have the next longest active streaks for two years. It becomes a little more meaningful or significant when you see some programs and where they were nine years ago and where they are today, Ariema said. You appreciate it for sure when you see how hard it is that other really, really good programs don't do it. It does bring a sense of, yeah, we're fortunate that we put ourselves in that position every year. The Huskies have been atop the pole 246 times since their first appearance there on January 17th, 1995. Louisville, North Carolina State, and Texas A&M round out the top five teams. The Aggies flip places with Stanford. Texas A&M, 19-1, has gone 7-0 against ranked teams this year. The Cardinals were sixth, followed by Baylor, UCLA, Maryland, and Arizona to complete the first 10. The Aggies and Cardinal each have each got a first-place vote. The NCAA on Monday night will reveal the top 16 seeds for the NCAA tournament at this point in the season. Here are a few other tidbits from the poll. Ran away. UConn's 246 appearances atop the pole is more than double the next closest team, Tennessee. The Lady Vols have been there 112 times, 
most recently in 2008. Record breaker, Maryland coach Brenda Freeze earned her 500th victory at the school, passing Chris Weller, who won 499 games from 1975 to 2002. Freeze, in her 19th season in charge of the Terps, is 500 and 130 after Sunday's win at Nebraska. Spoke to her this past week and already have a message from her. Freeze after the game. I can't say enough about her grace and dignity. She was so proud I was going to pass her. We both know records are made to be broken. What a class act from Chris Weller in his comments on, on Maryland coach Brenda Freeze. Game of the week, South Carolina at Tennessee Thursday. The Gamecocks have won 31 consecutive Southeastern Conference games and will try to keep that streak going. So there you have a little bit on women's college basketball, which now takes me to the next. Because we knew something took place this past week called Daytona 500. And Michael McDowell, who won the 500 amid last lap chaos, explains what winning actually meant to him. We will get those comments here momentarily. But just imagine the anxiety of having to wait through rain delay. I would tell you what I heard what they should do, but I'll save those comments for later as we get comments now from Michael from McDowell on his win and what it meant to him. That was Michael McDowell, Daytona 500's winner. Michael McDowell was glued to Brad Kelowski's bumper, watching and waiting for his chance to win the Daytona 500. Joey Logano was the leader. The laps were winding down, and yet no one had the nerve to pull out of traffic. McDowell was certain Keselowski would go for it. Eventually, and when he did, McDowell would play his hand. On the final lap, Kelslowski attempted to dart around Logano, but Logano threw a block on his teammate, 
that crashed them both. McDowell stayed right where he was, flattened the gas, and drove through a crash scene for a stunning upset. I knew he would go for a race winning move, and my plan was to let him make that move, McDowell said. I knew I didn't want to make my move too early, so I was committed to the Keselowski bumper, and when he made the move, the hole opened up. A 100 to 1 underdog when the race began Sunday afternoon, McDowell won for the first time in 358 cup starts when the checkered flag finally flew about 15 minutes after midnight. The race was stopped by rain for almost six hours and ended nine hours after the green flag wave at Daytona International Speedway. There's been lots of years where I was wondering what the heck am I doing and why am I doing it, McDowell said. I always knew if I just kept grinding that one day everything will line up and go right. NASCAR season opener was stacked with storylines. Denny Hamlin, the PJ man, was trying for a record third consecutive Daytona 500 victory. And the team he started with, Michael Jordan, was debuting with driver Bubba Wallace, whom Michael Jordan jokingly said, we don't write checks to losers. Kyle Larson was back after nearly a year in exile for using a racial slur and reigning cup champion Chase Elliott was going for his first Daytona 500 win. And all the way at the back of the field, 1990 Daytona 500 winner Derek Cope made what he said would be his final NASCAR start. At 62, he was the oldest driver in the field, and his upset victory 31 years ago was considered the biggest in race history. McDowell didn't take that title from Cope partly because McDowell is a strong super speedway racer capable of mixing up with the usual suspects. If he could ever find himself in the right place at the right time, McDowell figured he could steal a win. It's been a tough road for me. I've had to spend a lot of years grinding it out, McDowell said. His career has been stabilized for four seasons driving for Front Row Motorsports, a tiny team in the Ford family that can hold its own at Daytona. McDowell was in the mix even before the two Penske cars derailed the finish. His Ford was strong enough to push Keselowski, and McDowell figured with the checkered flag in sight, he would try to pass Keselowski as they exited the final turn. Cars crash. Keslowski is up in a ball of flame, up into the outside wall. He'll take Kyle Busch with him. Everybody now racing off the corner in a horrific crash on the final lap of the Daytona 500. Caution is on the speedway. Caution is on the speedway. We'll wait and see who was the race leader when the caution flag came out. Keep in mind, they have it frozen. As soon as the caution flag comes out, scoring freezes. And that was indeed a brutal wreck. So Logano's block of Keslowski 
it seemed late as Kozlowski had already started to pull alongside his teammate, triggered a fiery multiple car pileup that was in McDowell's rearview mirror. Brad was turning right, Joey was turning left, and I went right through the middle, McDowell said. It's just kind of a blur from there. Kozlowski subtly blamed Logano for the messy finish. I wanted to make the pass to win the day 2500, and it ended up really bad, Keslowski said. I don't feel like I made a mistake, but I can't drive everybody else's car. So frustrating. Logano had no explanation for the ending. Pandemonium, I guess. Chaos struck, said Logano, who then praised McDowell. It's a real bummer that none of the Penske cars won, but at least a Ford won, and I'm really happy for McDowell. If we couldn't win, I'm really happy to see McDowell win this thing. McDowell, who led less than half a lap, drag raced Elliott and Austin Dillon until NASCAR finally called a caution. A batch of solid contenders were knocked from the race just 15 laps in by a 16-car accident that began at the front of the field. It thinned the pack and set up a showdown between Kevin Harvick and Hamlin. Hamlin and Harvick had the two best cars, but pit strategy ended Hamlin's shot at winning a second, at winning a record third consecutive Daytona 500. The four drivers pitted first as a group, followed by the Chevrolets a lap later, and finally the Toyotas. But the Toyota group has just five cars, and they couldn't group back together to reclaim control of the race. It put Logano, Keselowski, and the four drivers out front and Logano led the final 25 laps until Keselowski made his move. McDowell held off Elliott and Dillon. Harvick finished fourth, and Hamlin was fifth after leading a race-high 98 laps. Only 11 cars finished on the lead lap. So there you have your Daytona report as well. Well, this is going to conclude this episode today. I hope you have enjoyed it. Please leave me some feedback. Please leave me some comments. And in my description box, there are some businesses I would that you would check out. They are friends of mine. They support me. So give them a check out. Cakey Bums is one. Hood Professionals Incorporated is another one. And I'm looking to get on board another one. So I will leave that as a surprise until you see their name in the description box. But check out those businesses because they are my friends and they support me. So, And if you're looking to get your name listed or read on my show. Remember that this podcast is listener supported, so I would appreciate your support. As a matter of fact, we support each other. You support me, I support you as well. So if you have a business and you want your business name mentioned, either verbally or mentioned, we can make an ad for you and we can run it during my show. Or we could put it in my description box. Just contact me. We'll, we'll work something out. I'll make sure that you have your business name read on here or put it in my description box when I describe what this 
particular podcast is about. Uh, and we can also get you on the show so you can ho- so we can highlight your business. It's all about helping each other, especially during these times that we're in. So once again, thank you for listening to this podcast. This is the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, still building up ahead of steam. Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other, and I'll be back with you.